0: You're listening to Just Asking, why do we human beings who are obviously so sexual have such a difficult time talking about managing this intimate part of our lives? We talk about managing our money, we manage our careers, our diets, and even our stock portfolios. Yet, when it comes right down to it, we really don't know how to talk about managing our sexuality and certainly don't know how to talk about doing it intelligently. Hey Jackie, what do you want to talk about today? So I was thinking about how um, many people have said, when you talk about like the HPV vaccine or birth control or some of these different issues, the comment is, I don't want to talk about that with my kids because then they're going to want to have sex. And obviously our kids probably want to have sex. And, I, and what my response to that is, well, I hope so. I hope that my children want to have sex. Obviously not now, but at some point. So um, I would like to talk about a very delicate subject is our kids and their sexuality.
1: That's a really timely subject, right, because uh, there's so much of this in the news and and parents are beset with more sexual influences on their kids. But overall, I see it as a really positive development in our modern world, because instead of comfortably being able to avoid the whole topic and get away with it, every parent out there listening to this has to know that because of the Internet, their children have access to... So much sexual information right now that there's no way they cannot step up and be responsible parents. If they want to be responsible parents, they have to talk about sexuality.
0: Well, and then this whole idea, how it used to be, and I'm putting used to be in quotes because I know it wasn't like this, is that um, you would remain a virgin until you got married at the age of 22. <laughs>
1: Or 30. Or,
0: no, I'm talking about used (laughs) to be, you know. But now people are getting married 27, 28, 29 years old is more the average age. And obviously they're not remaining a virgin until then.
1: Well, believe it or not, believe sadly, uh, and in different parts of the world, uh, I, I say sadly because I, you know, in my own practice, I've met men and women who've been virgins into their 30s and 40s. And not because they were uh, embracing the virtue of chastity so much as because they were impaired and, and really struggling with their sexuality. So it, it isn't a, you know, when we say sadly, sometimes I think people get the wrong idea, like, gosh, I want everybody to be sexually active regardless of their thoughts or their values. But that's really not the case. What I want is for everybody to be free to make the choices that are going to be truly adaptive and sustainable over time, and not having sex uh, is not necessarily a healthy thing. I have had many clients who've gotten in a great deal of trouble in their lives, including legal troubles, regarding sexual crimes, even though they themselves had never been sexually active. So, uh, you know, some future book of mine, uh, like The Virgin Sex Offenders, it just is such a strange concept. It seems so paradoxical that somebody could be both utterly naive regarding sexual sexuality and uh, criminally uh, negligent Okay, regarding so, sexuality. so now that
0: you've brought this to a terrifying place, <laughs> let's come back <laughs> and, and just talk about um, children and um, natural sexuality. Obviously, I want my children to be healthy and have a, a sexual, you know, a sex life at some point, um, but when, you know, what, at what age, and, and what do we do before that?
1: Well, I, I really think starting well before the typical time. I mean, usually parents have an idea of when to have the talk, and it's somewhere indexed to puberty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, either it's soon approaching, or it's upon us, or it's, it just happened, and we need to have the talk. Uh, that's really not a very helpful approach. And the reason for that is that we are born sexual beings. In fact, uh, it could be reasonably argued that we are sexual beings even prior to birth. While still in the womb, young boys have erections. And uh, immediately upon birth, typically the first thing we hear about a child is the announcement of gender. You know, it's a boy, it's a girl. So understanding that our children are born sexual beings means that if you think about it for even just a moment, you have to understand that they're going to have sexual needs. And i don't mean sexual needs in the in the sense of sexual um, activity or sexual intercourse but sexual needs in the same sense that even young children have intellectual needs and emotional needs and that doesn't necessarily mean we're sending them off to school at three months of age so what kind of sexual needs would a young child have and i I think the first thing that all of us parents would be uh, thinking about would be safety you know my children have a need to be kept safe. And of course, the first thoughts are the darkest ones, you know, the ones that think, where we think about our children being hurt or molested or um, in some way violated. And I've certainly uh, been made aware of that in my career. You know, that is a real risk, but it's not the primary risk. I think the primary risk would be um, in giving a child sexuality at birth, mother nature has, essentially handed our children a very powerful tool for interacting with the world around them. And if we allow our children to be utterly naive regarding their sexuality, in, in essence, it's like handing your kid a loaded handgun and expecting them to play safely with that. That's, that's just not realistic. So talking about sexuality in a way that makes sense at an age-appropriate level and recognizing that our children are sexual beings, I think is going to really reorient the whole thought process, that they've always been sexual beings. And if my kids are now like 12, 13, 14, 15, and I've never talked to them about sexuality, well, you might as well give up now. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. There's never
0: an age when you should give
1: up. Um, Well, you could outsource it, I suppose, to some professional. But I mean, really, these kind of conversations need to happen at a much younger age. Having said that though, I want I want to affirm that one of the other sexual needs children have, I think, is uh, sexual innocence. And innocence means protecting children from that which they are really not prepared to process. You know,'ve uh, I've talked to children who've been hurt sexually or who stumbled in on their parents' pornography collection somehow. And they were exposed to sexual thoughts and feelings and ideas that were really beyond their ability to cope. And when I, so when I talk about sexual needs, we're not talking about sexual activities like intercourse or masturbation so much as we are age-appropriate needs. And if you're thinking about children who are three and four and five and six, Um, They're learning to read at age six and seven, and they need to be allowed the innocence that their emotional age requires in order to thrive. So uh, sexual safety um, isn't really necessarily just at all about preventing sexual assault. It's really about protecting our children from the power of uninformed sexuality. I think that's really important for parents to understand that even if you were a serious gun enthusiast, you wouldn't have guns in your home without teaching your children how to safely be around guns. And starting with checking to see if a weapon is loaded, uh, knowing where the safety is, and and that sort of thing, before they ever stepped out onto a range and fired a, a single bullet.
0: Well, it's a really good comparison. It's a really good comparison. Um, because you wouldn't leave a loaded weapon lying around for your children. And obviously, as they get older um, and you've educated them, you would trust them more and more with with that.
1: Right. So right?
0: If they have the proper tools. To... Right. And this
1: is challenging in today's world because the playground is grown to the size of infinity. And children who are under the age of 10 have sex as one of their top 10 search terms in their lives, boys and girls.
0: So they're curious.
1: They're understandably curious. And then unlike children of my generation who didn't have any kind of a resource to go explore.
0: The Sears catalog. Right. <laughs> the women in the bras. <laughs>
1: I think for children of t- of today's generation, they have very quickly apprehended the notion that they can go on the internet and ask any question they want to ask and uh, google or some other search engine is more than happy to supply them with answers and all they have to do is then click on some other uh, connections or leads to find uh, photographs and these various links take them to places that could conceivably even be illegal and felonious to download so it's really I think it's important for parents to understand they need to be a part of their children's internet activity. That it's really okay to keep my young children away from the internet if I'm not going to be supervising them. Uh, my seven-year-old doesn't need a computer in his bedroom, and and so on.
0: Well, we talked and we've talked about this um, before. One of the challenges now is you give your seven or eight-year-old a uh, Kindle, you know, to read books, and it has internet. Well, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can go on the internet on the Kindle, but like an iPad. So it's for books, and but now they're... Or their phone. I mean, granted, seven-year-olds probably don't have a phone, but they can access...
1: Oh, I think a lot of them do nowadays, to be honest with you, and they can access from their phone just about anything.
0: They, they can, and they're, and they're in their room privately for, you know, however long with the phone or... So how... I guess we don't need to get into the technical part about how you protect them from the internet, but how...
1: Yeah, you know, there's, some, there's so many great resources, even online, uh, on the internet, to, talk, to go ahead and research that subject. But this business of talking about sexual needs is what led me to write the book, We're All Like This. And I think parents just haven't thought about it. But once they do think about it, and they think about their children's sexual needs it begins to inform them because if if you don't know what their needs are, then what on earth are you you doing with them? This, this would be like for me as a therapist, trying to do therapy on someone without ever diagnosing their problem. If I don't know what the problem is, how could I possibly provide the appropriate kind of guidance my client needs? So as a parent, I can't forget, for example, that as my children, being sexual beings, they absolutely need to have a conversation that that's a sexual need to have a sexual conversation. Mommy, where do babies come from? Uh, mommy, how does this work? Uh, mommy, how are boys and girls different? Uh, th- these, are, these are important questions that deserve age-appropriate answers. And that that that's yet another need is age-appropriate sexual information because a seven-year-old needs a different answer than a 17-year-old or a 13-year-old or a 10-year-old. So we're going to have uh, some sensitivity to that. And, and that's that's the wonderful role parents can play, is taking a look at our individual children and tailoring the information to what they need, not what we're comfortable with, because we may not be comfortable with any of this.
0: Or we might be comfortable with way too much.
1: With way too much, which brings up another need, uh, in addition to innocence, is the need for boundaries. I've, I've talked to many parents who have really overstepped the boundaries uh, in terms of... Um, sexual information and sexual conversation and even nudity where children were really uncomfortable and really didn't know what to do with that information and they just shut down and got really quiet and looked away and gave you all the indicators that this is too much too much information so i think it would be really appropriate i think to talk about boundaries and innocence in a, right along in the same way we're talking about sexual information that's age-appropriate. It's all got to be age-appropriate, but the conversation is really, I think, essential.
0: It is. It is. Okay, so now you've gotten us to, you know, that one of the main things they need sexually is a, is a conversation. Um, so let's go. So there are, what, seven, eight, nine. We're about to embark on this really scary part after that. Mm-hmm. Um
1: like, uh, are you thinking about
0: puberty? I'm thinking about puberty. I'm thinking about masturbation. I'm thinking about their natural sexual um, impulses.
1: Okay, so now that you've taken it to a really scary place, you took it to a scary very, place. Way first. too early. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, for me, I think I wouldn't want to go forward in this conversation until parents who are listening to this understand that just as they crave and need privacy that their children do as well okay and um, to have information pushed on me as a young child is violating my boundaries but how about the child who's really trying to be a good boy or a good girl and his parents start interrogating him? Well have you ever looked da- 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 well have you ever started da- da-? <laughs> These are intimidating questions and they're also quite unnatural. Um, in the sense that it's natural, if we if we really want our children to grow up to be adults who value privacy, it would be natural to teach them about privacy at the earliest possible age, that they have a right to privacy. And, and that includes not only regarding nudity and um, being touched, but it also includes asking inappropriate questions, you know, and having inappropriate conversations. So for me, and I hope this isn't boring to parents who are listening, but to the parents or to those adults who aren't parents, to think back to your childhood. And usually they're the two extremes, right? There's my parents never talked to me about sex or, oh, my God, my parents talked to me about sex one time and it was horrible. I never want to re- go through that again. And there's got to be some middle ground where, as a parent, I, I begin having conversations at the table, let's say with my spouse or another adult in the in the room to talk about sexual issues and to bring them up in a third person sort of a way so that it's the subject isn't entirely new and then in terms of privacy to be asking questions about my child's values you know our values are based on what we value and to talk to my children about how i feel uncomfortable when people ask me certain questions that are really personal and then to turn to my child and say would you feel uncomfortable if somebody asked you something really personal and and whatever their answer is it really doesn't matter if they say yes or no because the conversation gets to go forward well would you be comfortable if they wanted to know if you ever stole something uh, or if you ever told a lie and why you told the lies or are you always perfectly comfortable when you talk about these very personal things that you're embarrassed of? And I think most children understand at a pretty early age that, yeah, there's some things I'd rather not get into, like why I was mean to my little brother, or that kind of thing. I, I feel uncomfortable. And, and for parents to ask, well, how could I help you be, be more comfortable talking about that? And it's not that the child's necessarily going to have an answer that's going to be helpful. It's it's introducing the topic of getting more comfortable as a process rather than, I'm not comfortable with that. The door is slammed shut and it's never to be opened again.
0: Well, and it's also letting them know that you're open to the conversation. Yeah, that they absolutely. can bring that their questions to you and, and you're fine with that. Yeah,
1: and for, a, for an adult who's trying to really raise a child the right way, I think, one of the biggest lessons would be simply modeling by making an appropriate disclosure, you know, regarding, uh, we're talking about sexuality and how our children are sexual beings, but to talk about ourselves and uncomfortable conversations that we might've gotten into with adults as children and how we hated that and how, and, and what you'll see typically is your own child nodding his head or her head and saying, and saying eventually, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then later, maybe talking about how it was uncomfortable when the subject turned to, say, your physical development or, you know, how your clothes are fitting these days or what's going on with your body as you're as you're getting bigger and putting on weight. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel strong? Do you feel strong enough to uh, participate in sports with the other children? That kind of thing because all of those issues that have to do with the body very naturally segue into your body image. And then from body image to how you think other people see your body and how uh, eventually how that, that makes you want to interact um, with, with the other children at school. So, you know, I, I think these conversations, they become way too sexual way too soon. And I think parents for years need to be laying a foundation of sexual conversations that aren't necessarily about masturbation and intercourse. And uh, shame on us that we don't do that because when, when any of us think about doing that, it's really not so scary then. It's just, oops, we never thought about it. And there's a reason why we never thought about it. And that's because our parents never did it. And nobody does that in our culture. And consequently, we end up with these young adults who are sexually mature at puberty and they're getting their their sexuality upgrade. They're now ready to uh, make babies and have babies and they're not mentally or emotionally prepared to deal with any of that. So maybe in our next conversation, Jackie, what we could do is talk about after having had a great childhood where my parents have acclimated me to... Talking about sexuality, what can parents do then to start talking about some of those post-pubescent issues? That I think come that's
0: up? that's a fantastic idea. And so, for those of you who are listening, so the next conversation, and I'm telling you this now, Stephen, they are going to address masturbation, pornography, sexting. Whoa! Yes, and some of the other scary things that um, parents have to deal with, and obviously. So thank you for listening. If you have questions for Stephen, please tweet us at Stephen Ng, MFT. Thank you. This has been a production by Ing Intellectual in cooperation with Estepona Group. Interview by Jackie Shelton. Music produced by Octophonics. Editing by Lucas Picelli. To listen to more episodes, visit StephenIng.com.